You're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day again and welcome back to episode 59 of On the Road. This week, Mike talks with Trevor Warner about the Queensland driver who's been ordered to pay damages to an employer, the check-in app at Woolworths, and he has a yarn later with Lyndon Watson about how the COVID requirements are affecting road transport from a management point of view. We've got tax hints and tips from specialist trucking accountant Ben Charles, all the latest news and views, plus great music from the Delta Suns and Dump Truck. There's just so much show and so little time, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Unless you were born yesterday, everyone remembers those good old southern rock outfits like Leonard Skinner. Well, there's a resurgence in that southern rock sound coming out of the US, with a bunch of new bands making a name for themselves in 2021. Here's one of them. It's the Delta Suns with Chattanooga.
There's a hell of a lot going on in the transport industry at the moment, and not all of it's good. There are some things that have happened that I'm going to talk about over the course of the show this week that really, really do need to be looked at. And the ramifications, the long-term ramifications of what's going on need to be considered. I've got Trevor Warner with me again today. And the reason why I've got Trevor is because Trevor is the Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association, the association I'm so proudly a member of. He's also runs a Facebook page, as you all should know by now, called The Driver's Advocate. Now, there's been a decision handed down in Queensland, which has resulted in a finding that a driver has to pay his former employer a large sum of money, over half a million dollars, for an accident that he was involved in in the course of his work. Now, there's a hell of a lot of questions to be answered around this. I believe the decision's set to be appealed, so it bloody well should be. I broke the story on the show last Friday. We need to have a bit of a discussion about this. So I've got Trevor with us. He's got all the details. We're going to get through it. We're just going to dissect it a little bit. We've also got to talk about what's going on with this bloody Woolies check-in app that they've got going. That's another disgusting little piece of handiwork that's going on at the moment. So, Trevor, welcome to the show again, mate. Great to have you with us. Let's find out first what's going on up in bloody Tully, mate. Yeah, g'day, Mike. It's been a week all right. A lot going on. Yeah, I can't believe it, mate. This poor driver that's just worked all his life and he's semi-retired doing a bit of casual work for Blenner's Transport and now the court has said at this stage he's got to sell his house and hand the proceeds to his former employer. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. There's a lot going on here, mate. I mean, he wasn't actually employed by Blenner's, was he? He was employed by a labour hire company, wasn't he? That's correct. He was employed by a labour hire company. But that labour hire company, turns out, is a related party to Blenner's Transport. Right. You know, that's okay. There's nothing untowards about that. There's a lot of people doing that these days. Mm. But the interesting one here is he was driving a Blenner's truck and the labour hire firm had contracted two Blenner's to supply a driver. Mm. And that's what happened. And when the incident happened, Blenner's Transport bypassed the labour hire firm and, and went straight after the driver. Mm. That seems a little bit wrong in itself to me. I thought that the guys working for the labour hire company, they're vicariously responsible for him unless he's negligent. Isn't that correct? Well, this this is right. Well, even negligence. I was looking at something the other day and our legal team directed me to something. It was a case, I believe it was 1966, yep. which laid it all out. Yep. This driver was an employee of the labour hire firm full-time or casual, it doesn't really matter. So that makes the labour hire firm vicariously liable for actions, including negligence of their employees. But the court has made a decision that this guy wasn't an employee, that he was a subcontractor. So if he was working under ABN and issuing an invoice to the labour hire firm, which some people do, yep, no problem, we can see that. But this wasn't the case. Right. He was an actual employee, and the court has disregarded what we have found in previous legislation, a case law, and has ruled in the way that it has. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, well, I was going to ask the question if he was on an ABN or something somewhere along the line, because that would change the game markedly. The short story of it is is now that we've got Blenners who are self-insured, aren't they, Blenners? I believe they are, yeah. yeah. It's been like that way for a while. Yep. The facts around this case is... Chain of responsibility should have been part of it as well. Now, yeah, I haven't read the court transcript, but the legal team for the this driver has got those transcripts now, mm-hmm. so they now know what got said during the hearing. But when I spoke to the driver, 
we were put in contact because the poor bugger needed help and we gave as much direction as we could and we heard stories like that he was fatigued that he didn't want to do the run yeah the truck was overloaded yeah he got pressure put on him by blenders transport whatever that pressure may be we weren't there we don't know what that pressure was yeah but he was claimed that he was put under pressure to do the job and at the moment of the incident he was doing a changeover so he had a driver waiting 500 kilometers or whatever it was down the road yeah waiting for this other truck to turn up yeah. and this guy was persistently ringing mate you know come on where are you and the driver's just in sheer frustration he's ignored the first couple of calls and finally he's gone to answer the call and that's when it's all gone pear-shaped yeah this is not unheard of this is the sort of thing that just bloody happens isn't it i mean I understand the Bluetooth in the truck wasn't working or he couldn't get it to hook up. He didn't have an earpiece as far as I understand. He answered the phone call from the changeover driver, which is something we all do in the course of our work. If you're doing changeovers, your changeover driver wants to know where you are. Yeah, that's it. Of course, then the ultimate mistake is he chose to represent himself in court. Absolutely. He went against our advice. We put a legal team in contact with him. Mm. They suggested that he doesn't represent himself, but he, he had faith in the process that he decided to go down. And yeah. any competent lawyer would have picked up the mistake that they believe the court has made, yeah. even to the point of objecting to some of the statements that was being said. Yeah. That never happened. So the driver's just copped it sweet. Yeah, I'd love to know what the mistake is that the legal team has found out, but I'm not going to ask that question because I know I can't. But there are a lot of us out here that love to know, and we'd love to get back to it down the track. But the short story is right now, I think it's 547000 is the judgment, and basically that's his house, and this bloke's just not far off retiring. He's worked his whole life only to get screwed. The guy's 70 years old. 70 years old. Hell's bells. Yeah. You just can't recover from that. No, no, that's right. It was 545000 plus interest, plus court costs. Wow. That's just incredible. It is. Now, just to talk about the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room is the technology. Mm -hmm. We all know that I am a fairly strong advocate of the technology in the cab for obvious reasons. I think overall it's probably a good thing. But this bloke has been caught out by a driver-facing camera I've had experience with my quad that I'm driving in the Pilbara at the moment has driver-facing cameras. It's got Guardian in it as well. It's got MT data. It's got cameras down the side, cameras out the front, cameras, cameras, cameras all over the place. And I can see how drivers are going to be rightly wary of those from now on. Basically, this decision has undermined the position of saying, oh, we're not going to use those cameras to get at you, aren't they? That's exactly right. It's the first thing that the police went for was that footage. Mm -hmm. And they viewed the footage and it was clear that he picked up the phone. He actually, he did have a Bluetooth, but I believe the battery was flat. Oh, right. Yep. He fumbled with it and dropped it. Mm. It was a hell of a mess. And eventually he's actually picked up the phone after the Bluetooth has failed. Yep. Now the truck has got a communication feature in with all the cameras, but it's not the best technology. It's common knowledge that drivers often get phone calls on their personal phones by other drivers and by management. Yep. I've experienced exactly the same thing for what I've been back on the road now 15, 16 years. It's nothing out of the blue. Yeah. Happens every day of the week. Yep. And the mistake the guy's made is he's tried to do the right thing and it's gone pear shape. He's reached for the phone and bang, the camera's got him. Yep. The police have seen that and gone, you've touched your mobile phone. That's a breach of this. Yep. 
which led into, I believe it was either reckless driving or a dangerous driving charge. Yep. And it was that charge that solidified what the guy's facing now, that he's actually been charged by the police. He's guilty as charged. Hmm. He pled guilty when he shouldn't have. Yep. So please don't plead guilty. Talk to a lawyer before you plea. <laughs> if it happens to you, yeah, everything's just gone against this poor fella. Yeah. And now he's going to pay the price and ultimately damage the whole safety program a lot of companies at the same time. Now, I will say it's a safety program still, and I've always said it's a double-edged sword. If you've done the wrong thing, it will show that. And if you've done the right thing, it'll clear your name just as quickly. So like everything, I think that's the way it's going to go. Looked at some of the comments on the story on the Facebook page, and gee, there's a lot of fellas out there that really don't know what they're talking about. They really do need to get a bit of an education, some of them, I think, Trevor. They do, yeah. Mm. They don't understand the technology. They certainly don't understand the legal ramifications. Yeah. What's right isn't necessarily legal. Yeah. There's lots of things that lawyers know a lot more than us. And if you think you can step into court and defend yourself, like you've just sat down and watched a couple episodes of Boston Legal, <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. Talking with Trevor Warner, Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association and operator of the Driver's Advocate page on Facebook. We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. This gets back to the whole thing too. I mean, every time, if you get an infringement notice for anything, ask for a review, yep. go to court, defend your licence, because one day down the track, when or if something happens, you need to be able to show that you've been a professional operator and if there's a laundry list of minor offences, then it's very easy for the prosecutors to paint a picture of you being that outlaw trucker that they want to block up. You know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? That's it. And we're hearing prosecutors in court refer to poor driving records. Yeah. This driver is a danger to general public. Yeah. And it's just simple minor offences. Now, a minor offence in, in their language is an offence where there's no risk to the general public and there's no risk to the infrastructure basically just a problem with the paperwork, mm. not a safety matter at all. But after a few of these minor things, all of a sudden that minor becomes a major and instead of getting a $600 fine, you're now getting a $4,000, $8,000. One guy got whacked or they tried to whack him $77,000 mm. all because of a definition between two pieces of paper. Wow. It's just mind-boggling what's going on. Yeah, I can't believe it. There is an appeal underway, I believe. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, they're going through the documentation now. He's got 28 days from the decision to get that in. Yeah. And I believe it's underway as we speak. That's great. All right, we'll wrap that one up. The Woolies app, mate. What's the story with that crap? 
Well, hasn't that got people talking? Mm. We're all on about tracking. The biggest issue is that Woolworths have decided to make it easier for everybody and reduce the paperwork. Yeah, we get that. We understand that. Once the system is up and running, it is. It's quite an effective system. Mm. But we've now got yet another data storage company storing personal data mm. of each driver that enters Woolies. They're storing government documents with date of births and driver's license numbers. They're storing your driver's license image on their system. Right. So we've got another potential data leak happening there. Yeah. But the big one is the app, when you go to sign in, your location services, so your GPS and everything, it needs to be working. Yes. And while ever that app is loaded onto your phone, yeah. the little icon that tells you that you're being tracked, a little arrow on the iPhone, is on 24-7. Wow. You've actually physically got to go in and disable the tracking on that app for that little tracker to disappear. But that requires a technical mind to do that. Mm. And, you know, we've got guys that are struggling with smartphones as it is yep. without having that intimate knowledge of the operating system and the tracking system. Therefore, these guys are getting a lot of information about us that they've got no right to have. And there's a potential for a data issue to be leaked. These things never get hacked, do they? Oh, no. We... So you've got all the potential identity theft issues and all sorts of things. That's right, yeah. We've never heard of hacking before. No, no, that doesn't happen. That's the big one. Yeah. But the interesting thing is Amazon Web Services providing the cloud storage from what I can ascertain from their privacy statement. They say there that even if you cancel your account and uninstall the app, hmm. they still have the right to withhold your data. Awesome. It doesn't get deleted. Awesome. It just gets better and better. The thing is that with third-party providers that want to operate in Australia, they've got a business to operate. Mm. So therefore, if there's an incident, if the police want to get that data, because mm. they know you've been to Woolies because they're using drones now to track us at Woolies if they choose to do so. Yeah, we talked about that <laughs> ages ago, yep. Yeah, well, I believe that tender's been filled and we've now got drones in the air. Wonderful. But if they catch you coming out of Woolies, they know that you've got that app. So they'll just issue a court order straight to that service provider. And if you're new to technology, you don't understand it, they've got data there 24-7 of that GPS tracker, whether you're on duty, off duty, or on holidays. At the pub, seeing your girlfriend. Yep, <laughs> that's it. I'm shaking my head in disbelief, Trevor, I really am. How are they getting away with this? People are saying that the protesters in Victoria, freedom, mm. they're nutjobs, they're fringe dwellers and all this sort of thing. Well, this is the thing that they're arguing about, that society is not standing up for our rights. The privacy law says that they can't store images of your driver's license, like an RSL club. Yep. They can't do it. They can't ask this. They can't do this. They can't do that. Yep. And yet nobody's saying anything because you need that technology to complete your job. Mm. But because you don't understand it, you've got this massive data that's being accumulated against you that yep. may or may not come back and bite you. Well, I can tell you now, mate, there are a lot, a lot of guys that I speak to all the time, emails that I'm getting, messages that I'm getting, phone calls that I'm getting, face-to-face -face interactions with guys. Yep. I use the guys in a sort of a generic sort of a sense, guys and girls. Mm -hmm. yep. No one that I speak to is happy about what's going on, and we're all just sort of complying because we're being rolled into it. There are people like, well, like me, for example, if I sell my house, I'm financially independent. I don't need to worry about it. The government can go screw themselves and I'll have a few hundred thousand dollars in my bank and I can continue to do what I do because I don't live pay to pay. But I'm lucky. I'm the minority. Mm. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that's the way it is for me. 
there are a lot of guys out there who live pay to pay. They've got the kids, they've got the wife, they've got the mortgage, they've got the bills, they've got their young families growing up, and they don't know anything else. You know, they're 35 or 40 years old or whatever, and they can't just change careers. And even if they do, what do they change to? We've got no choice. That's right. That's right. And, and a lot of these guys are good at driving trucks, but they're not good at paperwork. They're not good at the other skills that you may need to compete in the marketplace elsewhere. Yeah. But we've now got, no, I'll, I'll just put my vice president cap on for the minute. Yeah. I've now got NRFA members that are ringing me saying, well, hang on a second. I'll go to Woolies if I've got this app yep. and all of a sudden I'm down the road doing an unrelated job yep. and all of a sudden something goes wrong, all my data is all of a sudden now is a matter of court evidence. Yep. Something that happened three days ago might impact the incident that's just occurred. Mm. So whilst the police are investigating this particular incident, they've now discovered potential issues three days ago and all of a sudden it becomes one big brief of evidence. Yeah. But does our insurance cover that? Well, technically no, because if they find inconsistencies with the data and all of a sudden you're getting a string of offences to do with your logbook and misleading information and all this sort of thing, all that impacts the incident down the road. So it all becomes related with one screw-up. We could just say, though, on the face of what you've just said, I'm not promoting anyone being dishonest, and I know you're not either. Yeah. We might not be talking about, I wrote I was at bloody Yarraville in my logbook when I was really in Broadmeadows, you know. That's an indiscrepancy that could get you nailed, but it's also where you'd be fundamentally wrong. But if you said that you were in Port Melbourne when, in fact, you're in South Melbourne yeah. or you know, something like that, that's just a difference in my location's a little bit different. But that's also something some bloody prosecutor would seize on and say, oh, look, he lies in his logbook, look. Mm, that's right. And we had a prosecutor actually say that. Mm. The discrepancy was four minutes, Mike. Yeah. Four minutes between the logbook and the camera. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this prosecutor was pushing for a $1,700 fine. Yeah. So if you add that from three days ago that they collected up in the dragnet of evidence yeah. and said, look, he's lied here. We've got a discrepancy here and the driver's had an accident here. Oh, yeah. that's got to be a fatigue-related incident. Yeah. The driver's life's over. Yeah, and we wonder why we can't recruit and retain drivers. Oh, that's a whole new can of worms, isn't it? We'll keep our eye on these things down the track, mate. Let me know how it all goes. Will you? I'm particularly interested to see if Les Blanahesset gets his blood money. There's a lot of people watching this. It's a very dangerous precedent that's being set at the moment. Are we going to set up some sort of a fund for this bloke for his defence? Is that going to happen? Not sure at this stage. I'm waiting to hear back from the lawyers. Mm. I have got a bit of a war chest going there, but it's only a few thousand dollars. But yeah, we'll find out how they intend to proceed and then we might pass the hat around again because this really is a critical junction that we've reached. Well, it is something that affects all of us, mate. Let me know how it goes. And if you need a contribution, buddy, let me know, mate. I'll happily promote that and I'll absolutely happily contribute to that. I think this bloke's been harshly dealt with, even though he did reach for his phone. We've all done that, but no one, no one deserves to lose their house over answering a phone call. And certainly Les Blanahasset doesn't deserve to ruin someone that is used and abused. It really does piss me off. Absolutely. And there's a lot of former Blenners employees that share that sentiment. I had a chat with one last night on the phone for about an hour, mate. Mm -hmm. If I had the evidence, apart from one bloke talking to me, to support what he was saying, mm -hmm. mate, mm -hmm. smoke him up, Les. That's it. Thanks for your time, Trev. It's been great to chat with you. Great, Mike. Thanks for having me again. You're all right, mate. Catch you, buddy. Have a good one. See you later. 
Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. This is Adam Gibson from NTI and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. It's time for That's What You Think. Lyndon Watson is one of the driving forces behind Watson's Refrigerated. They do such a great job as national company depots all over the place and cart millions of tonnes of chilled and frozen produce and meat and all that sort of thing around the country all the time. We're coming up to some hard dates with the COVID jab requirements. Lyndon's been all over the corporate responsibility. I wanted to get a picture of what's going on from the management side of things right now in road transport. And I thought, who better than Lyndon Watson to have a bit of a chat about it. So Lyndon, welcome to the show, mate. How are you going? G'day, mate. Thank you very much. You're talking us up there a bit at the beginning. Oh. We're not that big and we're not that national, but we do try and move as much as we can up and down the East Coast. It's millions of kilos of freight, mate. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. We actually did some stats back through last year when they were threatening businesses. If you had a COVID outbreak, they'd shut your business down for a little bit while you did deep cleans and decide whether they're open and at all. Yeah. So I did some stats about how much food we're moving each day. Yeah. I swear I must have got the numbers wrong because it was something like a million kilos or something. So if you find out how many kilos of refrigerated foodstuffs like each person eats each day, yeah, I think it was 5% of the population's food they consume on a given day was moved by us or something like that. Yeah. And so while it's small, like we're nowhere near the size of your big players like Linfox or even Rand and you know, Scott's, they're lovely people. They're moving a lot of stuff in our little boutique, like in our little niche, yeah. which is refrigerated food, where we do try and help out and we're moving a bit. Yeah. But at least as I put to them, I put this as a government department. I said, I'll give you one night. If I have an outbreak, I want to be able to shut down that afternoon, yeah. do a deep clean and be open the next day with a new set of people. 
annoyingly, we actually had to confront that about three weeks ago down in Melbourne. Yeah, right. But yes, we're just trying to get by in this stupid, crazy times that we're in at the moment. Right. So the first hard date you're really looking for is the 15th of this month, isn't it? Yeah. That is a a particular date that's coming up that seems a lot of the requirements are coming to a head. We've had a few of them with the um, the cross-border rules about the vaccinations. We've already seen a couple of these moments take place already. But we've found everyone's been pretty good about it. Just the responsibility we all have in coming up to it. I might as well deal with the elephant in the room straight away Mm. about the mandatory vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. Yep. I'll say it from the outset. This applies to the whole conversation. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't give advice on any of those points. My opinions are my own. Uh, do not take my advice. And what's all the other caveats you got to write, Mike? Oh, well, yeah, that's... We, we don't get sued? No, well, we you know... <laughs> the government doesn't come down on us? Well, for me in particular, mate, everyone's allowed to have their opinion and share it on the show, but I'm not responsible for what you think or say. So. Yeah, exactly. You get your, <laughs> this day and age, they get your podcast cancelled or some crap like that. Uh. But our opinion of a business... We've made it explicitly clear to all our employees, you are not required to have a vaccine to work for us and we will not mandate the vaccine for any employees at Watson's. That said, just like other rules, we've had to say, particularly to the Victorian people, while you do not need a vaccine to work at Watson's, the government's made a rule that you need to have a vaccine if you want to work on a site and it's your job as a citizen. And so that's where we've had to go and walk that fine line to say, look, If you don't want to have the vaccine, you might need to move to a different state and we'll give you a job in a different state, And which is easier for truck drivers, but, you know, some poor office girl can't do that. Yeah, that's right. And we've also said, where have you, if someone gets that letter of medical contraindications, that we just accept that as whatever kind of letter they want to get in that kind of regard. But we see Victoria, yeah, they're really clamping down. And we've already started seeing a few clients asking for all those proofs. Yep. Effectively what we've said to our employees Look, if you're going up to a gatehouse and you turn up at the gatehouse and the gatehouse guy says, are you vaccinated? Just answer the question. It's not that hard to go and give them the answer, whether it's yes or no, or I've got a medical letter. Yeah. But our legal advice we've got so far, and I can't give this to anybody else because you know it's not for me to give, the actual proof of vaccinations, it is the law is only written that the employer is required to get, record and keep the proof of vaccination of their workers yep. or workers they engage. And so we won't be sharing those proof of vaccinations with any related parties because yep. it looks like the law is not written that way. But as we said to the drivers, it's like, mate, while the law is only written that you've got to improve your case to me as the employer, it ain't that hard just to rock up at the gatehouse and when they tick the box going, do you have enough hours to do your job? Yeah. Your license correct? Tick. Yeah. Do your vaccine status correct? Tick. Yeah. And then just to let the world move on. Yeah. So anyway, that's where we're looking at it from these points. Yeah, but uh, 15th of October is coming up and I think that we've seen everything from a couple of smart trading partners we have out there in the world that just say, here's the rule, make sure you follow it. Yeah. And then we do have some other trading partners that are being a bit more aggressive about it mm. and are choosing to interpret it in their own way. But we've just been chatting to them about explaining where, from our perspective, about why they should do it as we see the laws written. Mm. When you're dealing with someone with the power of, say, without naming too many names, any of the big supermarket chains or any of the big chemical factories or yeah. you know, any of the bigger players, any of the bigger freight forwarders, and you're dealing with them and they're saying, well, you know, this is what we require for you to be compliant to work with us. Yep. 
you may well be cutting off a sizable portion of your revenue stream if you choose to fight with them, eh? True. We're in a fortunate position. While we are relatively small compared to a number of the really big trading partners we have, Mm. we're very fortunate that those trading partners that we do have Mm. are typically reasonable. But we have our issues with all of the, uh, you know, the accreditations and all those kind of things. But we've found them on these kind of points pretty reasonable. Mm. So my analogy or the silly example I've given to a couple of people where they've said they've tried to argue that because they are engaging our workers, that means that they are required to find the proof of vaccination. Yeah. What I've uh, used as a silly, uh, ridiculous example is that, well, does that mean because it's person, it's not a business that engages the employer is classed as a person that engages a worker. Yep. And so therefore, the person that engages the postman to drop his letter off and pick it back up, they're technically engaging that worker to undertake work that's outside of their residence. Yep. And so does that mean that every person that gets a post delivered or letter picked up has a legal responsibility to record and hold and demonstrate the vaccination status of the postman? Because yeah. then you'd have like that postman providing that proof of um, vaccination to like 4 million individuals, but every postman that goes to those 4 million individuals. And as I explained to these trading partners, the law's not written for that kind of absurd example. It's just saying for each worker, they need to demonstrate it to the person that's in control of them, just one person. And I think that using, if I was like a smaller carrier that was interacting, say, with some big chemical factory or something like that, I would write them a letter saying, look, we follow the rules. This is the vaccination rules. Here is an example. Do you intend to go and get the vaccine status of the lady that's making your coffee down the road? Because technically they're engaging that worker to work off her own site. Yep. And I know that that's probably not going to get too far like some poor subby or something like that. But anyway, that's the position we're holding. Yep. Your drivers, how have your drivers responded to it? I mean, obviously, from a management point of view, you're going to have, as you said there before, guys that are going to go ahead and, and get the vaccination. Yep. You're going to have guys that are going to refuse. And you've said that you've got the flexibility to move people around on some other jobs. Yeah. It is a management problem, though, when you get somewhere and you're up against, you know, this bloke doesn't have a vaccination and we're not letting him in. How are you handling that? Are you dealing with that much yet? Or- uh, look, honestly, Mike, particularly the line haul drivers, but I think in general, the drivers have been bloody awesome over the last 18 months. Mm. Like the amount of crap that they've had to deal with going past some borders. And there was a lot of times, particularly through last year, where we were doing new border passes multiple times a day yep. as they decided to change wordings. And then they get into the testing regimes that those line haul drivers have had to do. And the amount of effort that they've had to go into to continue to work for the last two years or the last year and a half, Mm. like I really feel for those people that go out and put it out there and the media is like, oh, why don't we just park them up for two days and then we'll really work out if you want to turn the screws on us. And I know that it feels like I often feel like when you see those, the silly people, whether it's the politicians or even Ma and Pa Kettle that are like bloody hunkered down in East Melbourne, they've got security, they're working from home, they don't have to care about life and all they do is, well, no, 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 let's just keep it locked down. Yeah. They don't realise there's this whole world of people that don't have that luxury that are out there having to meet all these, I would say, draconian requirements to be able to keep going. 
just to protect this poor semi-rich individual from the eastern suburbs <laughs> that doesn't want someone to go and risk some oldie they fear for or a fake risk for some young kids in their high school that really is like it's a relatively low risk but that's where the drivers and so i'm getting on my soapbox here i've got to settle down a little bit as you can tell i'm a bit peeved with all those kind of um, <laughs> silly people i'm letting you go mate not saying anything i haven't thought before myself but the actual drivers We've found them, even when we're talking about, say, the vaccines about crossing the borders, a lot of the drivers, we, we got covered under the 1B program, the meat workers, yep. because we're refrigerated meat, the RWTA. So Mary Ann and the RWTA did an absolutely awesome job getting the logistics companies attached to that phase 1B program. So I've been vaccinated since area into the phase 1B program. Yep. So I got vaccinated pretty early. It was a little bit of legal advice, actually. Like, I, I don't care one way or the other. Good luck to people that want to get vaccinated or not, so be it. But what they were saying was being the manager, there was some indications they go, look, under all these new manslaughter charges and all that kind of stuff they could do, the industrial manslaughter, Yeah. they were saying as the boss of Watson's, not only do I need to say the right things, they warned us with this whole COVID thing about how much fear and stupidity was going out there in the world. They go, look, mate, if you don't be seen to be promoting the vaccine, and it might be as much as if you're not vaccinated yourself, if someone dies from it for not getting it, they might try and press that you've contributed to that death by um, not promoting the vaccine within your business. Right. And from a work-safe perspective, you could be open to it. So I've pretty much all of the correspondence which has gone out to our employees through this whole process, we have to work this fine line. And this is, again, everybody, don't take advice from me. I don't know shit. Thank you very much. But we've had to go and walk this fine line between not mandating it because there's this whole financial responsibility if you mandate a requirement within your business, yeah. but also not failing to promote it. So pretty much all of the, um, the memos you get from me is Lyndon saying, oh, I'm vaccinated. I think it's probably wise, but go and see your GP. Yeah. And it's just this quagmire of bloody challenges out there on one hand, I've got the legal department saying, if you require it, you'll be financially responsible for any of the adverse reactions to it for perpetuity. Yeah. And then I've got WorkSafe saying, but if you don't promote it, you could be held liable as contributing to any adverse reactions of people that don't get it within their work environment. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. So we've got some really great advisors. I won't pitch them because yeah. they haven't given me permission. But we've got some really good advisors up in New South Wales that have given us advice on this. Yep. The effort it's taken trying to dance along this bloody tightrope between being held liable for people's injuries, but also liable on the flip side for financial responsibility. And the government are out there. Uh, I shouldn't. This is. Uh, <laughs> I think the way that the government's done through the use of health orders yes. instead of legislation. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard a rumor that it's something along the lines of if the states did it through legislation, they'd be financially responsible. But right now, the federal government's responsible. Yeah. That might be why the states were pushing the federal government to mandate it, so that the federal government um, retained the financial responsibility of the adverse reactions to the vaccine. Oh, you can be, yeah. Yeah, so how they sidestepped it was using health orders, which they don't actually take on any financial responsibility of any adverse reactions yeah. when it's done through health orders. Oh, look, mate. They're... Because it's done through health orders, something like the executive doesn't have control over the legislative or the judicial. That's why the politicians are exempt. Yeah. But uh, anyway, 
all of that is just hearsay and don't take my advice because I don't know shit. Well, you can bet your backside that there'd be some weasel words and loopholes in there somewhere and they'd know all about it. That's all I can say about that. What did I say in a memo the other day? Um, all animals are equal, just some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> oh, mate, look, don't even start me. <laughs> We're talking with Lyndon Watson, uh, one of the uh, movers and shakers at Watson's Refrigerated. We'll be back right after this break. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. So recruitment and retention has always been an issue, no matter what's going on. Yes. Hard to get those good drivers, get their bums in the seats and yes. and get things working for you. Obviously, the current environment has made life so much harder. I mean, you can't even really conduct a face-to-face interview these days, can you? Yeah. And I think in a really nice way, it's a good segue out of the bloody COVID rubbish Mm. and talking about something productive. I've talked to a lot of other employees out there and um, chatted about mechanisms to be able to try and get people into the industry easier or more retain drivers better. And honestly, as much as I'd say the Honourable Glenn Stirl, like I think there's some of his positions a bit silly. Yep. But you got to hand it to him. He's out there. He's advocating on the behalf of truck drivers and people like Trev and that kind of thing, doing an awesome job. Mm. While I don't see eye to eye on many of the aspects around, say, some technical aspects about work IR sort of things, yep. like you got to hand it to people like that. They're really trying hard out there for the truck drivers' interests. But as for retaining and, so say, employing truck drivers, is that some of the general challenges that we've got out there is. I think that it's easier to get a job and keep a job than what people think. Yep. And you and I have spoken in the past about like what qualities make it easy for a driver to get and retain a job. Yeah. And I think that the role out there, it's become a lot easier than what it was, say, whether it's a decade ago or two decades ago or three decades ago. I think from aspects to make it, to be fair, the harder parts of the role are there's just so much more compliance. Yeah. And so where back when I was learning how to drive, like say logbooks were more like a guide, if you like. Where nowadays it's just, you might as well just, if the vehicle's moving, write it in the logbook. Yeah. It's, you don't even bother trying to get smart about it or anything like that. It's just, it's particularly over on the East Coast, all the businesses are geared towards just everything being done right. And it's more of a hassle when people try and start to get funny about it. Yeah. Like think that they're going to go and shave a half an hour here and there. It's honestly more of a hassle. And that's where with newer people coming into the industry or people like evolving into that new compliance side of it is just to say, just to take it easy thinking you've got to go and reinvent the square and really just relax about it. Just write it in the book. If you're out of hours, like you know you're going to be out of hours before you long before you're getting to where you go. Mm. 
just to give that ops team a call, more than not, most businesses will have some kind of backup plan to be able to help drivers out. Like they don't have to try and work it out themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of like simple things that will make it easier for drivers these days. But I often joke about it's not that hard. Like if you want a job and you're finding it hard to get a job in transport, it's like, mate, just wash the clothes and turn up neatly. Yeah. If you can turn up looking neat and drive slowly, you know, need to do the driving test, driving a million miles an hour like you're a hero. Mm-hmm. Just drive it, have some practice looking up. Or even if you've got a B-double license and you don't have a lot of B-double experience, just tell them that, look, I don't have a lot of B-double experience. I probably need a bit of help hooking them up. A lot of the drivers we're getting, like we don't expect someone to be able to put a double on a dock or we don't, fortunately, we don't have to deal with finger docks and that type of thing. But we don't expect anyone to be able to whack a double on a dock when they're starting out. We'd be happy with it. They can just literally drive into a yard safely. Yeah. And then even if they have trouble parking in a spot as a double, it doesn't take long just to let us know. We'll do in the induction. We'll show them a couple of tricks about just sometimes it's as easy as they don't realize how far forward they've got to pull to try and straighten the thing up. Yeah. And just try and back it in a straight line. Whereas I know the things you're driving out there, Mike, yeah. do they actually, those quads, is it just all forwards with those quads? Like, do they ever break them apart or do you ever find yourself having to go backwards? You do have to go backwards sometimes, but once the dolly kicks out, mate, it's all over. You're gone. <laughs> It's over. <laughs> you know? I'm like that with a road train. Like I've I've had to park a road train a few times. Yeah. And uh, I can kind of get it together and can kind of turn slight corners. Mm. But it's like, this is, I might as well just pull forward again and start again. Yeah. And I think that to people starting out, it's like just tidy yourself up. And I'd suggest it's not that hard to get a job. Well, I mean, the, the fact is that, I mean, as you say, the role has evolved. Once upon a time, it was all about, as you say, the logbook being a guide and getting, let's get the produce from Warnable to the market in one hit. Yep. You, know, you will spend all day stacking the spuds on a pallet in the, in the paddock. And yeah. Those days are over and thank Christ for that. The conditions on the road now, I think, are, are probably a larger factor, isn't it? I mean, you've got service stations and getting access to facilities like showers and meals and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's more of a challenge these days than the other aspects, I think, don't you? Yeah, and I must respect subbies and subcontractors that are out there, maybe with one or two trucks or three trucks. Mm. While we as a business go, oh, look, now we have limited access to facilities in Sydney and our depot there. Mm. So drivers just use the facilities in Melbourne and Brisbane on the other day, on the alternating days. Mm. Where that's easy for us, but I appreciate the subcontractors out there, like they don't have that network of facilities. Like they're really beholden to the service stations. Yeah. And that's where I, I defer to people like Glenn that he was out there advocating for that group, trying to keep that access to the service stations. Because it's easy for me to go, oh, our drivers will just use one of our toilet facilities in one of our other states. Mm. But some poor contractor that's out there for a week or two at a time, those toilets on the side of the road in those service stations, that's effectively the facilities they're trying to live out of. Yeah. And getting shut out of those, all for something that is like moderately to mildly, you know, contagious. And I just think that, unfortunately, to get back onto the topic, yeah. I fear that the use of fear as a persuasion tool. Yep. I'm going to call myself out here for some people because I've, I've made this argument anonymously. The use of fear as a persuasion tool mm. is an extremely insidious, a reckless mechanism for governments 
or societies to use to persuade a group mm. to try and do something, even if it's for a good intent. Yeah. Because it's too easy that the control of that mechanism is lost to the mob. Yeah. Because humans love fear. <laughs> we love fear and we love fearing the other group and blaming a group. It doesn't take that much of a history expert to look back at the last 100 or 150 years at some awesome examples of where people have used fear of another group to try and pin their problems on. Yeah. And then it's all really blown out of context and turned into horrible things. Mm. And I, I feel that whether it's the unvaccinated group or a transient group or an at-risk group, it might be you know foreigners or something like that. Now that if the if they want to try and put the genie back in the bottle and go, ah, oh, it's all cool now, it's all open, it's all cool. <laughs> Too late. There's a large group of the population that's like, nah, we got your word. Yeah. We're going to just carry on with this ourselves and do our own rules. Yeah. And I do know that um, for an example, a chap. He went to try and get to the library before going out as a truck driver for the week. He goes and gets his audio books. Mm. And he was telling me that your last week it was fine. He was a single vax person. He's due to his second vax in a week or two. Yeah. Suddenly the library's like, this is New South Wales. Sorry, double vax only, bugger off. Yeah. And he's like, I come here every week. We've known each other for like 10 years. Yeah. Sorry, government rule. Sorry, double vax or not, you're out. You're out of the library. And just little things like that that you go, oh, man, I think they're jumping a bit too far ahead of themselves. Yep, 100%. Just for those who are interested, there's an app out there called BorrowBox is the one that I use. Yep. So if you've got a library card. This segment sponsored by BorrowBox. <laughs> sponsored by BorrowBox. You can, you can get BorrowBox's app on your phone or your iPad on your whatever. Yep. And you can join a library if you've got a library card through BorrowBox and you can borrow audio books, just download them straight onto your pad or your phone or whatever. Yep. BorrowBox, it's a wonderful thing. Mate, just quickly before we go. Go for it. Facilities in the trucks. Now, there's been a long conversation. It's been one of my hobby horses that I've jumped up and down about for ages about getting that bit of extra half a tonne weight on the steer. Yep. To be able to have a little bit more cab space and to be able to, you know, have a toilet and a shower or... Yep. I mean, we're talking about something like a Volvo NL or something like that that you see running around in the States. Yep. If as a company that you could you could have that little bit of extra, would you run that sort of a thing for your long-distance drivers? The short answer is yes. Mm. We've been trying to advocate in the background for extra weight over the steer mm. in that the top, by the time you get a bull bar on a lot of our vehicles and you get a fair bit of fuel in it. Mm. I don't want to say they're overweight because it's, you know, Your Honour, certainly we weren't overweight. Yeah. But you might find that um, often a few of our vehicles, if they're up on their fuel, mm. they might be finding themselves using the tolerances on the scales. Yeah. You're deluding yourself if you're saying you're running a big cab K200. Yeah. And you're full of fuel and you're running a two-up team. Yeah. And it's damn near impossible to keep it under six and a half. <laughs> you're 100% right. And yeah. so we've been trying to push that in the background. And it seems that I think that this is one of the reasons why that national regulator, so that national body trying to control things would actually be a good thing mm. in that I think a lot of the challenges in regards to getting these changes done have been some of the jurisdictions not wanting to move. Yes. And I, I'm not aware of this, but there could easily be some politics in the background saying, well, either give us this and then we'll move on that. Mm. And I don't know what the horse trading is in the background, but something that seems quite reasonable where the vehicles are built to be able to do those heavy weights over the steers, mm. whether it's using super singles or something, but they've found that the road damage would be negligible for this, you know, that slightly different bit of weight. And then to hear that how much they keep dragging their feet on it, it just doesn't make logic. So our line haul vehicle setup is pretty much that King Cab Kenworth at the moment. Yep. Well, it's a bit more expensive. We just will keep them for longer. 
compared to like someone that might be running a cheaper type Euro type truck, the smaller type of truck just for a shorter period of time. Yeah. And it's just an effort to try and remunerate the line haul drivers, not just with dollars, but also with equipment. It's difficult out there that we in the refrigerator space, we used to be a relatively protected industry with the barriers to entry and the the cost to get into our types of vehicles was quite high. Mm. We could charge a rate structure to match, yep. but we're effectively out there with all the other budget carriers these days. It's almost like there's no such thing as a budget carrier in that there's just so much competition that we're having to try and retain that quality piece of equipment, whether it's a brilliant FTE or a Lucar or that type of trailer or a really lovely Kenworth or a big quality Mac or something like that, yeah. while still competing against those businesses with a real economy of scale. But anyway, we're not the only ones out there with those challenges. Yep. Everyone else is having to do it at the same time. Well, all I can say for me is that if I can work for a company that's got a good work ethic and they're going to give me a good piece of gear that I can live in more comfortably on the road, yep. then that well and truly balances out any few cents a kilometre you might be getting paid more because at the end of the day, it's only 50 bucks in the week, you know? Yeah. Whereas it's more important to have something that's comfortable to spend the week in. And that's it. Yeah. It's their home. People that aren't in the industry don't realise that that vehicle, mm. like it's more their home than their place that their home is. It's like they're, yeah. they're spending, you know, five and six nights a week in the vehicle. Mm. And I think people forget that, particularly the line driver, the environment that they're working in, that's their life, their home. You've got to at least respect that to a certain level. So, no, I appreciate that. You do. Thanks for your time, Lyndon. I do appreciate that you've given me some time to have a chat about something which really is a, a subject fraught with danger. So... Yeah, I know. I'm a little bit over it. I'm like, ah, oh, well, it's like, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, everyone out there, Your Honour, do not take my advice. Do not listen to anything I have to say. Yep. It is my opinion only. Thank you very much. All right. Lyndon Watson, see you on the road, mate. You take it easy, mate. Good to speak to you again. Good on you. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Tony Justice, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Handy. Got a letter from the IRS saying your tax return is a terrible mess. Well, I ain't got- it's time for Wake the Truck Up with Ben Charles, the Truckies Tax Accounting Specialist. As soon as I get paid. I'm Ben Charles, the owner of Truckies Tax Accountants. I'm here each week to help you wake the truck up. Last week on episode 58, I discussed how to fix up your tax returns when your refunds were too small, and they were, because you've underclaimed your expenses. Be sure to listen to that episode and feel free to call us on 1300 5111 if you have any questions. Today, I'm going to teach you how to keep perfect records starting right now using the free and easy method. I developed this process over five years ago when talking with the Australian Tax Office for recording all your work-related expenses and keeping all your work-related receipts. I know you're busy, so you're going to love this. Right. Firstly, let me describe the scenario you're going to be in with the method, and then I'm going to break it down and tell you how to put it together. Let's say you're walking to a petrol station and you want to buy some fuel for your car because your car's tameable, or you're walking to a clothing store to buy your boots or work pants. I want you to pull out the mother trucker card to pay for those items. You're going to ask for the tax receipt. You're going to hold that tax receipt in your hand and immediately photograph it and text it to AAA Tax Receipts. 
That way, the purchase will be recorded in your bank statement, so it's part of a checklist we go through each year, and the receipt for that purchase is going to be in your email inbox. Simple. So now, you do nothing except taking a photograph after each purchase of a work-related expense. So let's set that up. The first thing you want to do is set up an email address that is specifically designed to receive your receipts. So example, that email address should be yournametaxreceipts at gmail.com. It can be absolutely anything, so anything you like to create, but make sure it's only used to receive invoices, nothing else. So yournametaxreceipts at gmail.com. So you never have to write that out. I want you to save it in your phone. So create a contact in your phone called AAA Tax Receipts, so AAA Tax Receipts, and in that contact, save the email address you've just created. So no phone number, there it is, email field, your name, taxreceipts at gmail.com. So if it's Mike Smith, it's Mike Smith, taxreceipts at gmail.com. Now, to make sure you've set it up correctly, I want you to practice. Take a photograph of your thumb and text it to AAA Tax Receipts. That'll see a photograph of your thumb appear in the email address you've created inbox. Now that you've set that up, you've got your ability to photograph and keep all your receipts. Now I want you to also have a dedicated bank card. We call this a tax mother trucker card. So go to the bank and either use one of your existing dormant accounts or create a new account. But the account is only going to be used to pay for work-related expenses. I don't want you using cash or other cards anymore for work-related expenses, and I don't want you using this card, the Tax Mother Trucker card, for anything but work-related expenses. Put a big orange sticker on it so that it's very visible, because I'd like this card to sit in your wallet so that every time you open your wallet, because you're busy, it says to you, hey, are you about to pay for a work-related expense? If so, use me. So you pull out that card, you pay for your boots, your shower thongs, your petrol or your hamburger if you're a line haul truck driver, you ask for the receipt, you photograph the receipt, and you take that photograph to AAA tax receipts, okay? So now you will send us, at the end of the year, a copy of your bank statement and access to your email inbox, so we'll have a list of all your expenses and all your invoices to check on them. So we'll do all the bookkeeping in the background, and all you have to do is drive your truck, and yes, one extra step, take a photograph. By so doing, you'll now have documents for everything you spend money on that's work-related, and you'll have a nice, easy bookkeeping list called a bank statement that we can cost-effectively go through to prepare your accounts and thereafter your tax returns. If your wife or partner wants to go through that, even better. We don't care who goes through it, but you want to have all your information nicely stored so that if the ATO ever wants to review your work, they get the bank statements, they get the accounts, and they get access to the email inbox. It's very important to be not just richer, but safer. Okay, so we call that the free and easy method, and it's very important you start that as soon as possible so that when you come to 30th of June 22, you've got everything in place from this date onwards and always use that. You'll get better and better at it. You might miss one or here, but just get into that habit. And as I say, if the card's very visible, you're just paying like you normally would, but using this card, and the only additional step is taking that photograph. If that's not clear, feel free to give us a call and I'll happily go through it or send you a text or email outlining it. Next step is to teach you what are all the work-related expenses and generally what are deductibles. So next week, I'm going to start telling you the A to Z of all the expenses to pay for with the free and easy method. I'll go through everything so that you know, okay, is this a work-related expense? Yes, it is. I pay for it with my card. So everything's recorded. Andy, Luke, and I are always very keen to hear from truck drivers, so be sure to send in your questions, requests, comments to ontheroadpodcast.com.au 
or if you're a lazy truck like me, just call 1-300-5111 and we'll make sure we address those on the future podcast. The answers to those questions will likely benefit all Aussie truckies. Remember, everything I'm talking about today and in future and past episodes, they're not my opinion, they are facts. These facts can be verified by calling the ATO or visiting ato.gov.au. I'm just here to give you the information that many haven't and you are able to verify it. So get past the whole, this is too good to be true. Get the facts here and then verify them with the ATO. Most importantly, wake the truck up, listen here and call one 5151 24 hours a day, seven days a week to ask any question you like and then verify those facts with the ATO. I'm Benjamin Charles, creator of Truckies Tax Accountants, where we guarantee the biggest refunds for the future, extra refunds from the past, or it's free. I look forward to speaking to you next week. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hey Mike, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all right, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you, in this strange old world we're living in. <laughs> yeah, I see that the missus hasn't necked you yet, so we're on a bit of a roll there, aren't we? Well, mate, I've been a bit worried about it because with all this COVID crap going on, the poor thing's been getting quite down in the dumps of late. Mm. I thought I'd try to cheer her up a bit. Did you? Yeah, so I decided to play a fun little practical joke on her. Oh, no. I went into a makeup bag when she wasn't looking and I swapped a lipstick for a glue stick. Oh, dear, oh, dear, dude. She still isn't talking to me. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. On that subject, though, on the subject of makeup, yeah. have you seen the video of the guy? His wife does the makeup videos on YouTube, mm. and he overdubbed her. Okay. He got one of her videos, and he's overdubbed her, and he's talking about the makeup that she's putting on, and of course he's put a blokey bloke sort of interpretation on it. Here's another colour that I can't describe, and she's going to apply. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I nearly wet myself laughing. Go looking for it. I, I'll see if we can find the link. <laughs> yeah, shoot me a link. I'd like to see that. I nearly wet myself. All right, moving on, mate. Moving right along, specialist chemical business DGL has expanded its interstate fleet through the acquisition of Shackle Transport in a deal worth $8.9 million. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's not really when you consider how much those tankers are worth. But, mate, yeah, Shackles, they've been around for quite some time, and I was actually surprised to read this story. Hmm. So the acquisition of Shackles is, consists of, like, 28 prime movers, 22 bulk liquid tankers, and 31 other trailers that cater for specialised products and services. It's a big investment in equipment, and it's really going to set them up for a, a long-term involvement. DGL have been around in the business for a little while, too, so... Hmm. It's not really a surprise to see DGL wanting to move into the area that they're moving in, although unexpected at this time when there's a lot of complication with what's going on in the industry. It's a lot of money to be spending right now when things are so uncertain. Absolutely. It's actually more than $8.9 million. It's fully paid ordinary shares in the capital of DGL, so value of that could vary over time. Mm. So there's a bit there. Go to bigrigs.com.au and read the story and uh, be informed. Indeed. Meanwhile, in Ringwood Magistrates Court last week, a truck driver was charged with fraudulently obtaining payments after he was found to have secretly been working as a scaffolder whilst receiving workers' compensation. Yeah. Haven't we heard this sort of story before? Guys going off sick on one job and going and heading off and doing something else. 
Now, this bloke's been busted. Robert Falco, 35, pleaded guilty in the Ringwood Magistrates Court last week to this charge of fraudulently obtaining payments. Mm. He's been also placed on a two-year community corrections order. 57000 he was paid while working as a scaffolder. Mm. So who knows? There's obviously a little bit to this and not much there in the story. WorkSafe simply making an example of someone who's tried to cheat the system for personal gain and been busted doing it. Simple. Yeah, indeed. And, mate, I was watching on Big Rigs a, a video there of a, a West Aussie truckie and his rather hair-raising drive down the road. <laughs> and this bloke has offered some excellent advice to fellow drivers after walking away from a hair-raising incident when his steer tyre blew out at 100k south of Kununurra. Yeah, mate. Look at the uh, windscreen there and you, you see what's happened and look at the photos of the aftermath. It's made a little bit of a mess. Mm. You know, he's dead right. The last thing you want to do is be touching the brakes when that happens. Just keep it all under control and, and drive it safely. Very, very lucky on the left-hand side. Yeah. Very easy on the road with a soft edge or something like that for a prime mover to dig in and trip itself over. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he's got out of it. It doesn't look to me like there was a hell of a lot of luck involved. That would have been a bit of a brown pants moment, but he's kept it together. And, and as you say, don't touch the brakes. Just keep the power on, feather it off, and take it off the side of the road. Yeah, well, that's what he said. Just dumped the clutch in so that it killed the cruise control and, and just let her power down. Yeah, well, you know, you dive on the brakes and all the weight goes up the front and that's the last place you want it, so. Yeah. I've had that experience myself out near Border Town a few years ago. I had a steer tyre, driver side steer tyre let go on a K200 I was driving. Mm. And I can tell you now, having experienced it myself, it's something that no one wants to experience, but it's something that's a real potential. And it begs the question... We've had this conversation with Adam from NTI about twin steers and the value they have yeah. and the fact that you don't hardly see them in the eastern states. Mm. It's nice to have an extra steering tyre, but the other part about it is too that this is an emergency that could happen. This is something that really should be exposed to a driver in a simulator to give them a chance to have a feel what it's like. Mm. I wonder where the simulators are, mate. They're in South Australia somewhere, apparently. <laughs> there is one in South Australia. I don't know where it is, but there is one there. <laughs> No one's put their hand up yet and said they found it. No. All right. Mike, a $3.8 million upgrade is in the pipeline for the City Road and Power Street intersection in South Bank, Victoria, after an extensive investigation and design process was completed. Yeah, something that should have been done ages ago when they decided that was a B-double route, eh? Yeah. Mate, this is the intersection, uh, you know, just to refresh everyone's memory, this is the intersection that we talked about a while ago now where the Chemtrans truck had that incident there and some people sadly paid the price. This is a B-double route. It is not a place where blokes in dangerous goods, chemical tankers or any dangerous goods trucks choose to be. It's somewhere they're directed to go because it's considered to be safer to drive them through that area than actually run them through the tunnel for a couple of minutes. Yeah. But anyway, we could talk about the various safety aspects all we like. But finally, the designs for the intersection show how the traffic island will be removed and the crossing at Power Street has been shifted away from the corner. There have been multiple crashes there this year. It's going to make it safer for the pedestrians waiting to cross, which was the issue with the tanker going around the corner and knocking the light over. Yep. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible intersection the way it's set up at the moment. I, as I said to you before, I've driven around that intersection and beat up on myself and it's just horrible. The problem that we've got here with this, and I don't want to go on about it too much because they're obviously going to take steps and this thing's going to be fixed, but the question I've got, why do we need to wait for there to be something nasty happening when everyone that actually goes around there knows that that was a terrible place and this sort of accident was always likely to happen in the first place? 
Why do we have to wait for someone to lose their life or be injured before we get steps taken to fix things? That's the question. Yeah. The simple answer is we always work in a knee-jerk, reactionary kind mm. of way and there's not a lot of preemptive thought goes into it. Done it. Mm. That's the way it goes. Mm. Mate, the Victorian truckie who was involved in an alleged incident at the Bordertown checkpoint last week has been denied bail and remanded in custody after facing the Adelaide Magistrates Court. I really you can get me teeth into this one. I can actually put myself in this poor bloke's buddy position. Hmm. I mean, we just start off by saying this bloke's been denied bail because he has somehow or another failed to comply with the border crossing arrangements and he somehow or another allegedly assaulted a police officer. Hmm. There's vision of that. I haven't seen the vision of it. The only thing that I've got to rely on is a couple of accounts that I've heard. And obviously, you know, we need to withhold our judgment a little bit on what actually occurred. This guy's been remanded in custody. You can take drugs, you can steal a car, you can bash someone hmm. and not be remanded in custody. Yep. What is it that's make this so bad? Anyway, Victorian truckie Brendan Moore, 57's been denied bail and remanded in custody after this alleged incident at the Bordertown checkpoint. He faced the Adelaide Magistrates Court with assaulting a police officer and another worker resisting police after being asked to show proof of his vaccination status. Hmm. Prosecutors allege Moore then became abusive towards the police and pushed one in the shoulder, resisted arrest, and then spat at an arresting officer. Now, I don't know. On its surface, none of that looks good. But the story that I've been told is that he's there trying to get his information off the MyGov website. Mm. He's having difficulty. This cop has crowded him, and he's basically shoved him a little bit to get some space back. Obviously, there's a very heated situation going on. People have to understand that this guy is already in the situation where he's been bankrupt or at bankruptcy. Mm. He's a small fleet owner. His driver's pulled the pin because he doesn't want to get a vaccination. He's had trucks abandoned on the side of the road. Mm. He's had his vaccinations. He's got hard copies of the proof in his hot little hand. And because he can't produce the data on his bloody smartphone, he's struggling with the technology. And then a policeman hasn't got the common sense to just go, okay, I can see you're right, mate, away you go chooses to make an issue out of it. Yep. You know, he's tried to hire another driver. He's tried to do all the right things. He's one of these people that's been caught in the same situation that old mate Alan's been caught in. He's tried to do everything he can possibly do to comply, and he's still getting f***ed over. Hmm. When is enough enough? He's been held in custody now, and he won't be able to appear in court until November. Hmm. It's a month away. Yep. What's happened to his truck? What's happened to his other truck? What's happened to his business? What's happened to his mortgage? What's happened to his family? Yeah. What's happening? The punishment for not being able to get onto the f***ing MyGov account mm. to satisfy some copper at a checkpoint. This is the reason why drivers are upset. Place yourself in the position this guy's in. Think about how you're going to respond. Yeah. Think about the sort of bloody thing that's going to happen to you. This makes my blood boil the way this poor bastard's been treated. Yeah. And it's common. I've spoken to lots and lots and lots of people. The way the police are being treating the drivers on the borders... The way we're being treated in the roadhouses, you can't come in and have a shower, you've got to be double vaxxed for this. Mm. We were promised that vaccination was the way out. Mm. We were promised that vaccination was the way forward. Once you were vaxxed, once you were double vaxxed, life returns to normal. It's not the case. It hasn't happened. This poor bastard is paying the price. And where are we? Yep. Where is Steve Shearer? Where's the VTA? Where's the TWU? Yep. Where are the politicians saying this is not right? Why are we not just saying, that's it, it, we've had enough, stick it up your ass, we're not taking you into South Australia anymore, we're not taking you into Queensland. This story is happening over and over and over again. 
Do you think there's a reason why some of these transport companies are just saying, that's it, it's all going to Ritchie Brothers? There's been another one this week. Mm. We're closing our doors, it's all going to Ritchie Brothers. They're not doing it because they think it's right the way it's going. Yeah. They're doing it because of this sort of shit. Yeah. And this is going to keep happening. And it really does disturb me. Ran over. Yeah. You're absolutely right, mate. And we are. We're hearing stories like this every day. Yep. Every day. Well, I mean, you've seen what happens on social media, mate. You've seen some of the comments that people make to me on social media. Mm. If I wanted to name names, there are names of some people who get to me and, and say, Mick, I agree with you, but we can't really say anything. Yeah. Why can't you say anything? Yeah. Why? Yeah. I challenge anyone that sent me a message and said we can't say anything to get on and say something. Come on this show and say something. I won't edit you. If you want to be anonymous, I don't care. I want it in your voice so people hear that I'm not making this shit up. Yeah. We're living in a world where people are essentially just controlled by fear now. That's right. Exactly right. Frightening. All right, mate. Well, we'll finish it up there. Last up, Andy's thought for the week. I hope you make me laugh. I always wanted to be someone, but of late I've started thinking I should perhaps have been a little more specific. <laughs> you might have to think on that one, Mike. I think I need to think on it. I need to think on it. Yeah. Oh, good. Take a Bex and have a lie down. Mate, I am going to take a Bex and have a lie down. You know, we'll be back with more of the show shortly. <laughs> when I've had a Bex and a five-minute rest. <laughs> have a good one, mate. Thanks, buddy. Hooroo. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day guys, it's Tone from Tone's Trucking Stories here and you're listening to the On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rig Road Show. get lots and lots and lots of emails and messages telling us what's going on out there in the industry. And I've got one here from a lady truck driver who shall remain nameless. It's about what's going on at BP, at Gatton and the pads and the Helladon rest area, which is now closed to B-doubles now. I read it out. <laughs> it's typical of the sort of thing that we have to deal with on a daily basis as a truck driver. So here we go. So hello, smiley face, long time listener, first time messenger. And that made me chuckle a bit because it makes me sound a little bit like John Laws now, doesn't it? I know you probably already know, but have you guys seen that Gatton BP is closing for a year and Helladon Rest Area is closing to B-doubles? This means that once you leave to one, the next decent stop is Rusty's, which, let's face it, no one wants to stop there because it's too hard to get out on the highway. And it is too, I remember. Also, I remember how horrible the showers were there before it was done up. It was terrible. As a female driver, it's hard to find amenities, and then, with COVID on top of it all, we've been kicked out of a lot of places or restricted to port loos with no water that haven't been cleaned, no hand wash, female sanitary bins or female toilets removed so they have to share with men with urinals. Then the company's put cameras on the truck forward and backwards so you can't even duck to the side of the truck anymore either. My comment here is, how can you ask a woman to do that? It's ridiculous. Just keeps getting harder to do your job because of the stress of toilet breaks. I'm glad you guys are voicing about the matter as most people don't realise how much of an issue this has become. Thanks for being the voice of the average trucker. Smiley face and she signs off. So, as our friend there says, it's getting harder and harder and harder to use facilities with the mad vaccination requirements and the COVID rubbish that we've had to deal with. It's getting harder and harder. My point would be about all of this is that there is no H&S requirement in the legislation that says we have to have reasonable access to facilities. 
And I think a lot of people have lost sight of the fact that truckies are human beings. We do deserve to be treated with a reasonable degree of common sense and courtesy and civility. And a lot of that's gone out the window. So if you want to do what this driver's done and get your opinion out there, I'm perfectly happy to put you on the show and you can say it in your own words or happy to tell everyone what you think just by sending us an email. You can get to us on our Facebook page, On The Road Podcast, or web pages, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. My email is mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. You can get me on Twitter at yours trucker, or we're easy to get to 0418 722 Send me a message. I'm always happy to talk to the listeners, always happy to get the message out there. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you on the road. I heard this song on the radio yesterday and thought, given the nonsense we're living with at the moment, wouldn't it be great if we could all be this way again? The song's called Carefree, the band is Dump Truck. our show for this week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer be sure to join us again next week when mike says good luck see you later andy says gonna be a bit of horn coming into that one and our guest says at some point something's got to break until we catch up with you again next week play nice with each other and most of all stay safe out there bye for now The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. 